Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gospel Tech Podcast. My name is Nathan Sutherland, and today we are going to be talking about tech prodigals. I talk a lot about, and Anna and I, I guess, talk a lot about um, what do we do with our technology and how do we know if it's healthy, and we're going to talk about that stuff today, but uh, we really wanted to cover this side of the conversation of, okay, well, let's say we do all those things and our actions are right, and we're prayerful about it, and our kid is just flat-out rebellious. Like, they just don't care about the rules. They get mad at us. They take it personal. Like, everything goes off the rails. What do we do then? And we we don't want to enter this conversation with this idea that, like, well, we've got this figured out, so if you just do what we say, like, everything will be fine. But I guess to just recognize that that is a reality. Like, as parents, we are de- dealing with broken little sinners, right? That God has given us to love and to be missional towards. But at the end of the day, we don't control their hearts. We don't fix them as people. Um, We love them as people that God loves uh, because we were first loved. And we just wanted to kind of have that conversation intentionally to put this out there because I guess I kind of thought it was woven in, but uh, Hannah let me know that that is not the case, that we need to be very intentional here. And I, I love that reminder because while I think that I can reference things and I'm like, well, we kind of address that. Like, this is an area where a lot of us are hurting and a lot of our families are hurting. We are uh, ministering to people and we are friends and love people with uh, children that are just, they're running uh, full speed as far as they can away from the parents, away from God. And we do want to kind of address that. It was, all right, well, what does that look like in this idea of loving God and using tech when a member of your family just flat out doesn't? So we're going to talk about that today. I hope it'll be an encouragement to you. Uh, and with no further ado, let's get the conversation started. Welcome to the Gospel Tech Podcast a resource for parents who are feeling outpaced and overwhelmed as they raise children in a tech world. As an educator, parent, and tech user, I want to equip parents with the tools, resources, and confidence they need to raise kids who love God and use tech. Thank you, everyone, who has listened to this podcast so far. Um, It has been an incredible blessing now as we are entering, I guess, several weeks now into our second year of podcasting. Uh, If you are not aware yet, your partnership with us and being a part of this, sharing this with your friends, uh, supporting us financially or with your attention and your focus, your social media shares, uh, has allowed us to expand what we are doing and how we reach people. If you have not seen it yet, please go to gospeltech.net. That website that I have been telling you about for months now uh, is actually live. It is up. You can go check it out, gospeltech.net. The idea behind the website is basically it's a landing spot for all the resources we provide. So if you have someone you meet, like I had someone uh, this last week come up to me and say, hey, uh, I met someone at the bus stop. They wanted to know what your resources are. Send them to gospeltech.net. If you want to go, hey, where was that one podcast? gospeltech.net. What about articles? Um, What are you guys writing about? gospeltech.net. These all have these different spots, or where is our social media? If you can't remember what our handle is, you can go to gospeltech.net. It's all on there, uh, including some additional resources that I won't run you through right now, although I could, uh, (laughs) because I'm really excited about it. But that website is kind of this one-stop story about what are we doing. Uh, You land on the homepage, and it is going to walk you through who is Gospel Tech, um, what are we doing, and 
how can you be a part of it? Uh, if you go to the about page, it's not just about Anna, myself, and the kids. Um, it is about kind of what is God doing through gospel tech and what is this conversation about, right? The tool and drool tech conversation is right there on the about page, and it all ties together. The idea is um, we want to make it as easy as possible to kind of assess your own journey with technology and recognize, man, do I need to kind of reflect on how I love God and use tech? And I, our hope is certainly that people who don't even have a Christian faith uh, would come to this resource and recognize their need and the solution to their need, that it's not Nathan and Anna giving them really good solutions. Uh, it's God changing their hearts and then them applying that faithfully, right? Gospel tech, the reason gospel comes first is we need to be working out of changed hearts. And if our hearts aren't changed, there are absolutely still things we can do that make sense. But at the end of the day, that's it's not going to fix the real root problem. We're just going to find another thing to misuse and mishandle. And uh, certainly there can be healthier things to misuse, I guess, uh, but that isn't our end goal is to just supplant bad things with better bad things. Uh, so just know gospeltech.net is live. Please go check it out. Share it with your friends. You can send in a text, send in a link, send in an email. There's links on there that you can uh, kick, out, kick out the uh, wow, website link is what I was trying to say to your different social media feeds. So it's all there. Um, and then, man, last piece of housekeeping would just be, if you do have any questions about this podcast, you can reach out Nathan at gospeltech.net. Okay. So today we are going to be talking about goss or tech prodigals, uh, and this idea of kids or family members in general who are actively making bad choices on purpose. Um, and I guess, Man, when we see this in families or someone comes to us and says, hey, what do I do about my, let's just use the example of kids for today's conversation because we have a lot of those come up. Uh, and so what do I do about my kid who is, uh, we've set up these rules and they're circumventing our our safety net, right? We are, uh, we set up expectations and they flaunt them intentionally. Uh, they We watch them use their technology and intentionally run towards harm, right? They are becoming more depressed and isolated or they're getting more kind of extroverted and they're going to parties and we're not we're not enjoying the behavior we're witnessing in this kid that we love that is becoming self-destructive. They're choosing this outlet over other things that are positive for them. Uh, they're escaping from reality with this. They're dealing with lust or pornography. Um, they're meeting strangers who aren't loving, right? They're just, they, they might like them, they might have common interests, but these people are not empowering or uh, bettering our children. Um, they're dealing with fear or anxiety or self-loathing with bullies, or they're just dealing with a, a host of rebellious behaviors, uh, kind of this uh, oppositional defiance, where they just have a problem with you because you're there, and tech seems to be the way they're going about it. And I, the reason I picked that title of tech prodigal was because of the prodigal son analogy. Um, we have uh, dear, wonderful people in our lives who are dealing with this right now, and the tech prodigal is kind of fitting for this. So I'm actually going to read this in its entirety because I do believe it sets us up really, really well for this conversation and for how we have to handle it because we're in this story too. So the parable of the prodigal son comes out of Luke, starts in Luke 15, 11, uh, and Jesus is speaking, and he said, uh, and Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that is coming to me. And he divided the property between them. He, the father, divided the property between the two sons. So pause real quick. What that means is that the, the son came to his dad and said, hey, dad, you're dead to me. I want my inheritance, which I wouldn't get until you die right now. Uh, so the father splits property in half and gives half of it to his son. Uh, that I think you could imagine how that would feel as a parent, but let's continue. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had 
all that he had and took a journey into a far country and there squandered his property in reckless living. So he cashes it out and he walks away, right? This was not, this was not a ruse. This was not just uh, an angry evening. He's acting out his rebellion. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to, into the fields to feed pigs. Uh, for a Jewish young man, feeding pigs would have been rough. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the father and the son, excuse me, said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. I want to stop there um, because for some of us with rebellious kids, this is what our hearts ache for. Uh, I want to remind us that this is what Jesus came for because every one of us was this rebellious kid, right? We just do it in a different way. We run our own kingdoms in the face of God, using his inheritance for our good and not his glory. And we run away and we spend everything we have on our own feelings, on our own emotions, on our own happiness, on our own justification, like whatever we want, we get until the day we completely hit rock bottom, whatever that was for you. Like the day you asked Jesus into your heart, right? You recognized a need. You recognized a, a glut of satisfaction, of hope, of whatever it was uh, that God made real to you. And you're like, man, I need, I need something greater. And he said, Lord, I can't be my own God. Be my God, right? Change my heart. Forgive my sins. And in that moment, right, you get a Holy Spirit indwelling you and you get a renewal of your spirit, but also now a changing of your um, of your mind and of your heart and your motivations. Uh, so we have this young man who was completely rebellious, ran away, no regrets, right? You only live once, and he goes out and he parties hard, okay? And he does not regret that until the day he finds himself starving to death in a pig pen, and he's like, oh man, this was not my life goal. When I wrote that down in middle school, and I said, here's what I want to be when I grow up, this isn't where I wanted to be. So if you have a kid who is running hard away from God, I would love to tell you that the steps we're going to apply today are going to snap them out of it. And sometimes they do, right? We see those times where those kids are on a rebellious path and they stop and they repent and they turn and they're saved so much heartache. And yet that's not always the case. So this kid runs hard. He's gone for a while. He spends an entire inheritance on wild living, as we'll call it for now. Uh, and he comes to his senses and is like, oh man. I, I need to go back home. Uh, and I think the first thing I want to recognize here is the steps we're talking about today are going to recognize that um, we're not disowning our children. That's not our spot to, to, uh, to do. Uh, we will speak truth. We will speak love. Uh, we will reprimand and support in the ways that we can, but we are not going to uh, simply write our kids off to quote unquote fate, right? We are going to continue the pursuit of them. And the reason we see that is when the son comes home, what's the father do, right? He, he kept his eye out, right? He was, he saw the son coming down the path before he got to the house. And I do just love that part because it's what God does for us, right? He doesn't wait for us to prove ourselves. Um, he runs down the path to us uh, and 
in our rebellion forgives us. While we were still sinners, we were forgiven and redeemed, um, which I love. There's no status here that we have to write up. So if you've got a rebellious kiddo, there's hope for that kiddo, and it's on us to keep our our, our hearts soft. It's so easy as a parent to get cynical, to feel slighted because you've been slighted, to be, have your kids say things that are directly, first of all, false, right? For the most part, angry kids are hurting you because they know it's going to hurt, not because it's true. Uh, So they're going to say mean things, and those mean things hurt. Uh, Some of the times they are true because you did screw up big time, and that needs to be taken to Christ. You can't justify yourself and say, well, I've worked that off by now, right? And I say, listen, I know that was wrong. We need to repent of that. We need to humbly address those things, and we need to recognize our kids' need for repentance as well in this process. The, so we can be the prodigal son too, but as the parent, um, seeing this kid come back, we need to recognize that restoration is what we want. We don't just want this kid to be fixed, we want this kid to be whole in Christ. We want them to be redeemed and restored and to recognize their need and then the joy that comes with knowing and following God. Uh, and then we get to this part of the story. So the, the father says, hey, we're going to kill this calf. This is where we all want to see, right? The kid comes back and now is restored. But then we have this. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And the servant said to him, your brother has come, your father's killed the fattened calf because he's received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in, and his father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a goat so much as a young goat, excuse me, that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours, who devoured your property with prostitutes, returns, you killed the fattened calf for him. And the father said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It is fitting to celebrate and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Now, the context that's really important for that is that uh, prior to this, Jesus is getting... Um, kind of push on, well, what does the kingdom of heaven look like? What, what is this going to look like for God's love to extend to all people? Um, and specifically, he's been pushed back now on that he healed somebody on the Sabbath, uh, and he goes into this whole, well, parable monologue where he starts telling stories and be like, here's what the kingdom of heaven is like. Uh, here is what, right? It's like a great banquet. It's like... Um, yeah, it is like a lost sheep or the lost coin. It is the prodigal son. And so God the Father is watching us run away from him and be rebellious, and he welcomes us back in when we repent um, and accepts us for recognizing our need. But then there's this brother who doesn't recognize his need, and in fact is mad that the other brother was let in. And in fact, we're not told that he goes to the party. Um, the father says, hey, listen, like you've been living here, and I love you, and like we're in the same family, right? Assuming this is speaking to Pharisees, that these people are of Abrahamic descent. You are in the family of God. This is something that was made for you, and yet you're refusing to come to the party, right? And I guess for us as adults, as parents watching rebellious kids, we need to make sure that we don't become self-righteous when our kids are intentionally rebellious. We don't become uh, passive to the rebellion, right? The father doesn't excuse the younger son's rebellion, but he recognizes the change in events, uh, and celebrates that change of heart and uh, the repentance that's showing up, and goes to the son recognizing, man, like that's not good either. You're not coming to this party. I love you too, and I want you here. And that's what God's saying to us. Like, As we go through this conversation, we need to recognize 
that our hearts can get cynical and our hearts can get frustrated and that our job is not to simply be right, but to be humble and to extend the same love that God's given us that uh, 70 times seven <laughs> wrongs, right? Our kids are going to wrong us a lot, especially when they're rebellious and they're angry and such. So uh, where, where do we start this conversation then? Uh, with that as our context, we remember the first thing is we need to remember our identity. Um, as parents, we must recognize that we are children of God first and foremost. Uh, then we are married to another child of God, right? And that bonded relationship is an echo of what we will eventually have with Christ, the bridegroom of the church, um, and that we will eventually be the bride of Christ, right? We're all sons of God, whether you're a boy or a girl, you are a son of God, you get the inheritance of the Holy Spirit and the future inheritance of, of uh, his heavenly kingdom, and you are the bride of Christ. So hold that juxtapos juxtaposition in your mind. Uh, but that bride of Christ, meaning we're going to be made one with Christ um, for eternity, and that that's going to be so much more full and for more real than any earthly marriage can be, uh, but that's where our joy and our purpose and our identity is going to come from. So we need to recognize that in light of that, if I am redeemed and a new creation, then I can take my request before my Heavenly Father, I can know that I am heard, and I can know that He moves and answers prayers, that that is a real thing, right? That I'm going to now intercede on behalf of my busted up child, saying, Lord, I know you love my kid more than I do. Like, give me wisdom to love him. Put people in their path, right? Like, uh, pray, pray the Proverbs, pray the Psalms, like, get those things out in front of our kids and really pray over them, asking God to break their hearts and to bend their knees and to bring them um, to repentance, because that is a prayer that God answers. But we pray that not out of anger or frustration, but out of the hope and love that we have because of who we are, right? That our identity is in Christ as a new creation, as a child of God. And in that, we remember our child's identity, right? That our child is not, well, they're, they're not the sum of their mistakes, right? Well, you know, this kid really blew it this time. I, get, I told them last time this was their last opportunity, right? We can, by the way, there can be a last opportunity given uh, personal safety, mental health, professional support, right? There's, there's last opportunities for things. I'm not saying don't have standards. I'm saying you can never write your kid off as a lost cause, so lost opportunities, very real. They might lose their phone, they might lose their computer, they might lose their internet, they might lose whatever. Right? Uh, and the family that we love uh, very much, their young person is actually looking at potential emancipation, right? Losing the family name. that uh, They're going to set themselves free prior to being 18 and go their own way. I mean, I mentioned it was a pretty prodigal situation. That's true. Recognizing that their emancipation does not change their identity. We're not talking about where are you right now, you're not yet who you could be. And in Christ, we continue to pray towards and pray into that identity of who they will be when they're a new creation in Christ. We do not let that drop. Uh, many of you listening to this have had grandparents, and I know in my life it's specifically grandmothers, um, who did this very well. They did not care where we were at in our stage of life. They did not care about a rebellion, about our pugnacious attitudes, they came after us in prayer, and they did not relent on the identity they saw available for us in Christ. And so that is a huge piece as we talk about um, this first step, we are going to remember our identity, remember their identity in Christ. And out of that then, if the entire purpose of any of this conversation isn't, well, I'm going to fix your tech, or I'm going to fix your rebellious attitude, but man, I want you to have 
what you were designed for, what you were born for, which was this relationship with God. I want you to have that. Then I'm going to assess what helps and hinders that. So that third part is remember and assess is our first piece. What do we do with rebellious kids? We remember who we are and who they are in Christ. And we assess in light of that identity, does this technology add or deter? And the, the reason we do that is because, uh, I'll use another example here from, from another local family. Uh, it isn't just simply, do they use tech? There's a local family with a young man who was born with a condition uh, that basically doesn't allow him to play sports and during this COVID season does not allow him to see people in person. If he got COVID, it would be fatal. Uh, so what do they do? Well, he plays a lot of video games and he's on social media quite a bit. And the parents then don't simply say, well, he has a condition, so he gets to do whatever he wants. And they also don't say, nope, that stuff is dangerous and bad for your brain, so we'll never let you go on. But they assess what helps him discover more of who he is in Christ. Now, for this young man, his social interactions, by and large, are going to be digital for the next foreseeable little period here. Um, but his digital interactions can still be full of the love of God. Right? It's not like God goes away just because you're online. And helping him see that, talking through what that can look like. What does your time use look like? What does your um, patience look like? How do you treat other people in a digital world, recognizing that even their avatar is a representation of someone who is made in the likeness of God? Right. So what does that look like, son? So when he plays his favorite first-person shooter game, we look at the content, we look at how it affects him, but really that reset does it impact or negatively impact his relationships and responsibilities, his enjoyment, his sleep, his emotions, and his time? And if it does, we take steps to intervene. But if it doesn't, we recognize, man, that technology isn't the problem. It's a heart issue. Uh, if the heart issue is getting out of hand, we can remove technology to help that. But technology being present does not mean you have a heart issue, I guess is what I'm trying to say there, which takes us to our second. So we remembered and we assessed and then the second thing we got to do is we have to be willing as parents to make the tough call. So remember our identity. We remember our kids' identity. We assess the tech health involved because there are times where the tech isn't the problem. Uh, second story here, as we talk about remove and replace, it can be so easy to look at a kid's life and go, man, I know exactly what's wrong with you. I could fix it tonight if I just was king of the world, right? And I could go into your life and I would change all that. I'd get rid of those friends. I would change this thing. I would rip out that tech and everything would be fine. But really what we're thinking there is, well, if I was God, I would do a better job with you. Uh, and that's not true. So I have a young man uh, who had a huge problem with video games um, and is actively still processing kind of motivation issues, right? All the classic things you see uh, as the stereotypes of gamers, right? Um, it's uh, social isolation and anxiety, uh, proximity anxiety, depression, uh, some physical ailments that have come about because of really poor diet and really poor sleep um, and a big time lack of motivation, right? Of just a struggle to kind of get up and go. Um, and you go, well, man, like obviously the video games are the problem here. And yet in a bigger picture, uh, we recognize, yeah, video games are part. He is very much self-medicating with video games. Video games need to get toned down or completely ripped out, but that won't fix it. Because what you're going to have is a very stressed out, very unhealthy, very um, uh, emotionally immature 
adult male who doesn't have the coping mechanisms to deal with what else is going on in his life, right? There's been situations of abuse. There's been incredible trauma. There's been absolutely no uh, support resource or um, input that's been healthful to him kind of seeing what he's capable of or people speaking life into him, right? Uh, and when we think about that, we go, all right, well, maybe the technology is a part. When we do a reset, it, what it helps us do is put our finger on, okay, I'm seeing that this particular piece is an issue for you. I'm seeing that this technology is tied to that piece. Let's start the conversation there. And it, when it becomes a conversation in light of our identity in Christ, right? It doesn't start with, where's your problem? Let me fix it. It starts with, who are you? What's your purpose? What does that look like in a bigger picture? Now I can address the tech in light of that. Now, if I take out the tech, it's not because that tech is a problem. It's because it your hope is getting distracted or deferred, right? And we want to remove anything that gets in the way of that. And that, I think, is when we talk about remove and replace, the remove, expect drastic change on the remove, okay? Please don't hear me saying when I say, hey, make sure you remember your identity first, that somehow we're supposed to tone down the remove. Jesus in Romans, or Romans, in Matthew 5 and Matthew 18, talks about cutting off the hand and gouging out the eye that causes us to sin. Well, the sin is anytime we turn to anything, uh, expecting it to give us hope and purpose, right? If I expect my money or expect my wife or I expect my technology to give me hope and purpose, like that's sinful because the only thing that can give me hope and purpose is God. Um, So I cut it off and I gouge it out. I make an extreme change. I don't just manage the sin, right? I kill it. I get rid of it in Christ. And, uh, And so we remove, we cut off, and then we replace. And uh, I've talked before, but I, I think I'll just say it again right here, that analog adventures is a, uh, is a big one. So uh, returning back to the prodigal young man, uh, the prodigal young man, it's been really cool to watch his family as they've been able to process this. I, cool. That's probably the wrong word. It has been hard to watch, but in praying with them and for them and in watching this process move forward, um, they have been able to lovingly pursue their son. Uh, he has been actively rebellious. So uh, basically what they did is like, all right, you have made mistakes that are damaging to your purpose in Christ, right? Like I love you and I am seeing you self-destruct. Yes, your school grades are dropping. That's not going to help you. Yes, you're being self-destructive in your relationships with your own family members and the way you talk to your parents. That's concerning. Yes, your physical health is declining because of these choices. Yes, your friend group is causing some of these things. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to remove some of the tech you're using to make those decisions. So you got a locked down phone, right? A phone, a smartphone that's basically a dumb phone. Uh, And he's very frustrated about that. And he curses up one wall and down the other. But that is currently the device he's being given by his parents, right? Like this is the device we're going to provide you. We're not going to provide you with an outlet to make self-destructive choices. And just so you guys know, they are including professionals in with this particular situation because he is he is so uh, kind of self-destructive in the process that professional counselor, professional psychologist, psychiatrist um, is in the conversation. Just so you know, we do believe in professionals and being loving godly people uh, who trust God's uh, will for our lives. That's why we also use doctors. Um, But where was I? All right. So they gave him a lockdown phone. They put accountability on the computers. Um, They had very clear conversations with them of like, here's what we expect. Here's why we're doing this. We're not mad at you. We are not being vindictive. We are not trying to get back at you. We're not trying to quote unquote, teach you a lesson. This, This is not the point. It's because we love you. And 
uh, that particular video game makes you more aggressive in life. That particular uh, music and podcast, he was into some really negative podcasts. Those are causing you to celebrate things that aren't celebratory, right? He had one on, a, on addiction that he was listening to that was basically people telling war stories about how they'd almost died uh, from using different uh, substances, and two of the three hosts were dead within a year and a half. Um, and so they're like, hey, listen, like, we're not, we're not going to support that. Like, that's not going to be something you listen on a device we're providing you. Uh, and then they provided tons of analog adventures. So they removed a lot of this tech that he was using to actively pursue his means of rebellion. And then they actively pursued him in relationships. Say, hey, this is family night. This is family dinner night. This is our day for doing an activity together. And this is a day where we're going to do an activity with you, right? Mom's going to take you one time. Dad's going to take you another. Uh, and we are going to invest our family in these things. So maybe it was dirt biking or this last summer it was, you know, going inner tubing uh, on, a, on the local lake. Or um, they, they bought a shed from like the local hardware store and put it up in the back so he could work on some of his projects and make noise and kind of get his, get his hands into his interests and passions without um, getting into some of the negative groups that he was going and doing those activities with. And the point was that changing those activities didn't save him but it makes the self-destructive choices a lot harder. At the end of the day, this young man has to come face to face with God and recognize he has a need. And right now he is angry. He is rebellious. He is actively circumventing family rules and expectations, and he is flouting his parents to their face, right? Uh, and that is so hard to watch, but I will tell you, the parents are doing a wonderful job, right? They're getting the outside support they need. They're trying to take care of their own um, marriage at the same time, right? Of like, well, we need to be healthy as a married couple so we can healthfully love our kid. And they're keeping his purpose in sight, that we're not looking for a son who obeys. We're looking for a son who is whole, right? We're looking for a son who understands his identity. And until that's the case, he could be obedient and still rebellious. It just would be a lot easier to handle, right? It'd be a lot easier to stomach. But in this case, they are lovingly pursuing him and they are seeking out support and prayer and active um, resources to try to help their son. So when we talk about, well, what do we do with this prodigal tech kid, right? The first thing is we got to remember our identity in theirs. We have to assess then in light of our identity, is this actually a problem or is it just something I'm not used to, right? So we have the, the boy who's using video games and social media and it's healthful and it's okay and it's not impacting his heart and the boy who is actively using those means to rebel and be self-destructive. And we then got to make the hard calls as a parent, right? You got to cut it off. You've got to remove it. Um, and oftentimes that will affect what we get to do as parents. Sometimes we have to get rid of tech we like because it's too much for this kid, right? And we love that kid enough to recognize, man, this is inconvenient, but I'm going to make this call because I love this child and I want to give them every opportunity to have safety, to have wholeness, and to recognize, have the space to recognize their need for God and the joy that is available in that. Uh, and I guess that brings us to the third and final point in this. And so what do we do with our tech prodigals? We stay the course. Uh, we need to make a family tech framework in order to be able to do this. You can use any family tech framework you find. We have made one. If you go to gospeltech.net, you can find it on there under resources, but the gospel tech Family framework is this idea that you're going to get on the same page. You're going to make sure you understand why does the gospel apply to technology, and we walk you through that. There's a handbook that goes with it. There's also a PDF version um, right in the online course, but uh, there's these little three to five minute videos 
the first half walks you through kind of, well, what is technology? How does the gospel tie to it? Why does any of this matter? The reset, um, the remove and replace, tool and rule tech, it walks through all those kind of common verbiages that you can now use with your family to have discussions so that tech remains the focus of the conversation in light of the hope we have in Christ. If those two aren't focused and it becomes personal, then it, it unravels very quickly, and we can actually do more damage in trying to be forthright in these conversations than we do uh, help. So we're going to have, we're going to stay the course with the family framework. The first part is the tech. The second part is the framework uh, where we actually build out for our families. All right, what are our expectations in the content? What about the time? What about the place? What about, right, we're going to walk through everything from safety and priorities to anything else your family will need to address so that when something comes up, it's not, man, you made me mad. It's, hey, we remember that this is this is the standard we're living to, right? This is how our family does things. I know you may not like that, but this is why we're doing it. This is what God calls us to do, have, and be, and we're going to live in light of that hope, not the fear or the anger or the anxiety or the depression or the isolation that you're currently living towards, right? So we're going to address that. We're going to support you. We're going to love you, and we're going to make decisions as a family that are going to help us be healthy and whole in Christ. Um, and it won't fix perfectly. So let's just re- return back to that young man. He is not well as of this morning, right? As of today, the recording of this, the 31st of March, he's not well. Uh, he's still angry. There's still stuff going on. And I would bet you 99% uh, that it is not a tech issue at the end of the day with this young man. Tech is merely the means he's using to be rebellious. But if you removed all this tech or you put him 70 years ago before any of this modern digital tech was around, this young man would probably still have had a rebellious heart, right? Because something else is going on inside, and he is prodigal running away from God, he's running away from his family, and he is running towards things that are actively self-destructive. So if you have a young person in your life, a family friend, a niece or a nephew, a, a, a direct family member, a child, um, if you have someone in your life who's doing this, I just want to remind you, uh, that's not a reflection on your worth in Christ, but it needs to point us back to, all right, well, what can we do? We look at our identity. We say, Heavenly Father, thank you for redeeming me. Uh, thank you for hearing my prayers and making me new. And then we intercede. Lord, I know you love this kid, right? I know that you've put this kid in my life. Um, would you help me to love them well? Would you help me to forgive them? Would you keep my heart soft? Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Would you bring them to repentance? Lord, would you save them? so that they can have joy and be a part of your work in this life, right? Save them for the work you have, not just from their bad things, but like there's a purpose to their salvation. And then we go, all right, Lord, in light of my place in this kid's life, let's just talk our own kids here. What uh, tech is helping them in their purpose in Christ and what is hindering? And then we go, Lord, what should I do about that, right? Please pray through these interventions. Don't just go grab cell phones and throw them out windows because the right action taken in the wrong way actually just reaffirms terrible lessons for our kids, right? If I do the right thing, if my kid is unhealthy with tech and I take that tech, but I do it in anger or I do it for control or I do it for any reason other than because I love them and I'm faithfully, prayerfully walking out what God's asked me to do as a parent, that kid learns the wrong lesson. Sure, they might quit making a tech mistake in that way, and sure, they might start following some rules, but they also learned that the way to win an argument is to pull rank. They also learned that um, when you're mad at somebody, you take stuff they care about, right? They, they learn some terrible lessons if we do the right thing in the wrong way. So don't just go out and try to fix it. Remember that your identity is in Christ. Remember that out of that identity, you love others because you were first loved. 
and pray into what that loving action can look like. It can be confrontation. It does not mean it has to be warm and fuzzy. Jesus was not warm and fuzzy. He lovingly told the Pharisees that they were a pit of vipers, that they were sons of hell, that they were whitewashed tombs. That was loving because it was true, it was honest, and it was timely. It was so they could hear it before they committed a sin that was going to be very hard to <laughs> for them to repent from. Right? They went eyes fully open into what they did when they hung Christ on a cross. We want to make sure that we are loving our kids similarly, right? That we are loving them intentionally and pointing them back to Christ on the cross, pointing them back to their identity. And out of that, not fixing them, but being present. When they come back home and they repent, that we run to them. I do have good stories on this, so I'll end on a good story. Uh, I guy who was just a couple years older than me in school uh, in my hometown was a bit of a ruffian as a young man. Uh, he once got kicked out of a public school uh, in our school district uh, for fighting. He got moved to a local private school where he was then removed for punching the PE teacher. Uh, and he now travels the world and uh, basically does on-site journalism, talking about the uh, persecuted church. And he makes videos, and he has a a published news media, uh, like full-color journal that he does as a quarterly release, um, and does an amazing job telling people not just about the gospel, but about what God is doing in the persecuted church. Now, this is the same kid who was uh, stealing steelies off of cars, right? The, The little, what do you call the air plug, the air caps, right? He was stealing those off of cars and emblems off of Mercedes and getting in fights in middle school, punching teachers, and now is on fire for Jesus, is raising three kids of his own, like is absolutely an amazing human being. It was a long road to get there. It didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen after five years, seven years, eight years. Um, It was a long road. And when he repented, right, his parents were prayerfully waiting to embrace him, to invite him to the party. And what we need to make sure is that we are not the brother in the field going, yeah, like, I hear your repentance, but I'm really just mad about that. <laughs> I, I'm not excited that you repented because I'm upset with how bad you hurt me. Like, it's real. The hurt our kids can do to us, the hurt people we love can do to us is real. We need to be in a spot where we are able to forgive, and we can't do that just with willpower. We have to ask God to soften our hearts, to allow us to repent of the cynicism and the anger and the frustration we can have in these. So if you're in this situation and you've got a rebel living in your house, please be encouraged. There's incredible hope, right? I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in people that I love. And I've seen the flip side of that coin where that drudgery and that struggle is real, um, where we just want them to be fixed and that they're not letting that happen. They're actively fighting the only solution, which is repent, and come back to God and let him let Him help you with the, the hopelessness they're wrestling through. So thank you for being a resource for those individuals, for loving them well, and for prayerfully engaging, because that is why we're doing Gospel Tech, is to bring the gospel into the dark places, to share it with people who don't believe the gospel. Like, that's what we want to see, is the gospel applied to those tech situations, because now we're doing more than just changing tech, right? We're, we're saving souls um, and it, bringing the light of Christ into dark and broken places. So thank you for doing that. If you, in this conversation, have any questions, you're like, whoa, you kind of glossed over that one thing. Uh, You can reach out to me, Nathan at gospeltech.net. You can also find us on the social medias, Facebook and Instagram. It's at lovegodusetech, or you can just go to gospeltech.net. Uh, and you will find ways to contact us and the other resources. This podcast will be on there. Um, And I guess my hope in doing this is just recognizing that, please know that you're not alone, Uh, recognizing that the struggle of raising healthy youth in a tech world is real. There are practical things we can do. Um, 
man, I guess I'll just run through a couple right now. So if you need uh, a, and I, I mentioned that that family had put down some kind of tech parameters, but I didn't actually say what they were. So here's a couple. Uh, for screen accountability, Covenant Eyes on an Android device or a PC. Um, if your kid is really struggling with uh, rebellion, I would not give them a smartphone. Uh, you can give them a Gab wireless phone or a Wise phone. Uh, those are two wonderful kind of dumb smartphones. They are fantastic options. They look nice, uh, but they are very much pared down. There's no internet. There's no apps uh, that will very much lower the amount of trouble they can get themselves into. Uh, so I would go Covenant Eyes for accountability on screens, Android-only devices. Um, I would get rid of a smartphone immediately. Uh, smartphones are a world of hurt and conversation for another day, but I would start there and I would uh, put in some kind of home Wi-Fi. Uh, so when people get home, we should not be using cell service. We should only be using Wi-Fi equipped devices. Um, and the reason, for, so that's a public computer, um, a public tablet or a laptop or um, some kind of other cell phone free cell phones should go away there's just too much distraction with those when they're on us um and as a family let's establish just kind of that norm of as adults we do the same thing we toss in a drawer or a bucket or whatever it is and if you need to go online you want to jump on social media you want to play that game here's the devices we do that from as a family uh and the idea behind that being we are now intentionally increasing opportunities for those relationship parts of our uh, of our family and we are lowering the distraction and kind of the mistakes by accident or the mistakes from overstimulation or fatigue or right i believe the what is it it's when you're hungry angry sleepy or or stressed or tired so whatever that would be hast that can't be it <laughs> halt um it was hungry angry lazy or tired i'll remember what it is but it's halt uh it's fight the new drug who gave, gave me that acronym so i'll try to remember what the l is but that idea being it it helps us not make mistakes uh that aren't intentional while we're struggling with that so all right i'm glad glad we fit that in there right here at the end but uh if you want any other resources check out gospeltech.net thank you guys so much for being a part of this conversation i hope it was encouraging uh and i hope that it helps you uh go back lo prayerfully love your family and uh, be a part of this journey as we all work together to love God and use tech. Thanks for listening. We just wanted to take a minute to let you know that just like you and your family, Purposely is also part of a family, the Krista Family of Ministries. Krista helps kids and teens learn and grow in their faith at King Schools and Miracle Ranch Camp. And Krista shares Jesus with people in the poorest, most remote places through world concern. Krista Senior Living is a community of love and care, and Krista Media is a place of hope on the radio. God is changing lives through these five ministries, and Krista is on mission to share the good news of Jesus. To learn more, visit krista.org.